The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed, and one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's readings give a good opportunity to examine our attitude of gratitude toward God. Are we truly, genuinely thankful? How do we express our gratitude? If this part of our relationship with God is not all that it should be, how can we improve it? In the case of Naaman, it was his pride that stood in his way. Now you might say, wait a minute, it sounds as if Naaman was quite effusive in his gratitude. But you only heard part of the story this morning. You see, this story starts with Naaman, who is a highly esteemed and respected army commander of the king of Aram, who was, in spite of all his accomplishments, a leper. Now Naaman's wife had among her servants a little girl that had been captured from her home in Israel during a raid. Now this little girl told Naaman's wife that if Naaman would only present himself to the prophet in Israel, he could be cured of his leprosy. So Naaman, willing to try anything, goes with the king's blessing off to Israel in search of a cure. He goes first mistakenly to the Israeli king, but he finds his way eventually to the prophet Elisha. Now when Naaman pulls up in front of Elisha's house, Elisha doesn't come out to meet him, but he simply sends out a messenger that tells Naaman to go and wash seven times in the river Jordan, and your flesh will heal and you will be clean. And this minimal interaction with Elisha really ticks Naaman off, because Naaman was a man of importance and position, and he expected Elisha to come out to see him to pray over him, to call on God, wave his hand over the sore, and cure him. Naaman also thought that the rivers of Damascus in his home country were superior to the Jordan River, so he left in anger. But fortunately, Naaman had wise and loyal servants, who reasoned with him, saying, If the prophet had told you to do something extraordinary, wouldn't you have done it? Then all the more since all he told you to do was wash and be clean. So Naaman got over himself, listened to his servants, and that is where today's story picks up. He does as he is told, plunges seven times into the Jordan River, and voila, he is cured. And now he gets it. 
and is genuinely thankful. Maybe he realized not only should he be thankful for the cure, but also for the fact that the little girl was put in his very household to offer the way to the cure in the first place. God was reaching out to him from the very beginning, but because of his pride, his expectations, his dependence on his own sense of judgment, he almost missed his chance. Sometimes when we are successful, when we are gifted with talent and ability, we can forget from whom we got those gifts and start to think of them as our own. And when we start to think of our talent as our own, rather than as a gift from God, as long as things are going well, we can easily come to think that we are making it on our own and forget to give thanks to the God who made us. Once we stop giving thanks, it is a short step to moving God from the center of our lives where he belongs, to the side, to the back, or out of our lives completely. Rather than the first thought of our day being the praise of God and giving thanks for our blessings, we may render him to an out-of-the-way position only thought of when, in time of urgent need, we recognize all is not within our control after all. Humility is the doorway to gratitude. Only in recognizing our dependence on God and his generous grace do we recognize how appropriate it is to have a thankful spirit. Another more subtle area that can stifle a proper sense of godly gratitude is what I call our latent sinfulness. By latent sinfulness, I mean that sinful behavior that we are engaged in, but we are trying to hide by minimizing or denying that it is sinful. You know, the gossip that we tell ourselves isn't really gossip, but simply fact-finding. The viewing of overtly sexy photos and the reading of salacious stories about the many so-called celebrities that is so prevalent on the internet and in social media these days. The type of stuff that can easily lead us to impure thoughts and actions, but that we defend as simply keeping up with the news. It could be any one of many activities that we know God, through his word and church, tell us are wrong, but regarding which we choose to listen to the world and its relative view that says, it's okay. The problem is that these sinful areas of our lives that we try to suppress, minimize, deny, justify, or explain away become hard to ignore when we are alone with God, acknowledging our rightful position before him as that of his humble, grateful servants. So in order to avoid the awkwardness of that moment, we avoid the meeting altogether. God goes unpraised and unthanked, and our sin goes unrepented. Which brings us to the gospel story of Jesus and the ten lepers. Now these guys don't have a problem with pride or humility because, unlike Naaman, they are not high court officers of the king. They are the poor, unclean outcasts of their time. The problem of the nine that do not return is one of the great pitfalls of modern Christianity. They are self-centered, and as such they experience their healing as the happy ending to their experience of Jesus, when it was meant to be only the beginning. For the nine it was, oh great, we went to see Jesus and he cured us, and now we are good to go and get on with our leprosy-free lives. 
Only the one that returned, giving thanks, understood that the experience of Jesus is not meant to be a moment in time, but a relationship for all time. We are all lepers, born in sin and living sinful lives until we are washed clean in the waters of baptism. But just as Naaman's cure moved him to relationship with God, one so important to him that he wanted to take two loads of earth from God's country back to his own to stay connected, and just as the one leper returned to Jesus in praise and gratitude, our experience of baptism, our experience of conversion, our experience of Jesus present in the Eucharist is not meant to be an isolated moment in time, to share with him for a moment and then continue on our own. No, our experience is meant to be not only life-changing, as in being cured of leprosy, but life-altering as in living from that point forward in a relationship that is alive, active, and life-giving. Paul tells Timothy, If we have died with Christ, we shall also live with him. If we persevere, we shall also reign with him. Paul does not say if we die with him, we will have a moment with him, and then we will continue on our own. He says we will live with him. We know what it means to live with someone, don't we? We live with our spouses, our kids, our parents, maybe a roommate. The experience of living with a person changes one's life. Thankfully, in the case of living with Jesus, the change is always for the better. But that doesn't mean it's always easy. For again, Paul didn't say, if we skip easily through life with him, but if we persevere, we shall also reign with him. Once we die to sin and are raised to new life in Christ, we are meant to live with him here on earth and then reign with him in heaven. And one of the foundational parts of an ongoing life with Christ is the disposition of gratefulness. You know, we all like to be thanked for doing something for someone, don't we? Something as simple as letting someone in front of you in traffic. I always look for that little wave. I know as part of the teaching of my grandchildren manners, we often have to remind them to say thank you. But it, of course, means more when it comes about on their own initiative. And I think we were all pleased when we received that thank you note in the mail. Well, if we in our sinfulness expect and appreciate thanks for the little things that we do for one another, how much more is our Lord and Savior, our Creator, our loving and merciful Father, our grace-filled, empowering Holy Spirit, worthy of our constant thanks? As Paul says in Thessalonians, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. But for us, the value in thanking God lies not only in that He is worthy and deserving of our thanks for all He has done and continues to do for us, but that in cultivating an attitude of thanksgiving to God, we continue to properly form our place in the lifelong relationship Jesus invites us to live in with him. Expressing thanks and praise moves us to repentance, helps us to grow in humility, and draws us closer to God. You know, when you think about it, this perspective really gives greater significance to our exchange with the celebrant or deacon during the dismissal at the end of Mass. 
So I would encourage you today, when you hear the words, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life, make your heartfelt response the first step in doing so. Thanks be to God. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.